that was one of the wake up calls for me to realize I was not fulfilling something that really made me passionate and excited to go to work. We all need a paycheck, but this was something that was just, it was sticking with me, it was jarring, and it was a moment that I realized I needed to start shifting directions and figure out how to, how to get somewhere that was really going to, to make a difference in my day to day. From Viton Career Coaching, it's How I Got Here, a show about business leaders, their resilience, and the stories behind their career moves. I'm Vincent Fanvan, and I've interviewed thousands of job candidates over the years in both recruiting and as a former corporate executive. Now, I'm on a mission to help you take the next step in your career. A corporate job opening attracts an average of 250 resumes, and just one person is going to get hired. It wasn't all that long ago that I was nervous and frustrated by my job search, but it doesn't have to be this way. You can navigate your career with confidence, spend every day learning, and drive to better yourself. You can be excited about the future. In this episode, we're welcoming back Sarah Badrunas from Tesla, where she's a senior project manager on their recruiting team. This is actually part two of a two-part episode with Sarah. In fact, if you haven't listened to the first episode, I'd recommend going back to the previous episode and starting there. In the second episode, Sarah goes deep on what Tesla is looking for when evaluating applications. She dispels myths about reaching out cold to recruiters, and she talks about how she found her life's passion and how that led to her career at Tesla. Okay, well, let's jump right back in to when I asked Sarah about what makes a job candidate stand out to recruiters. We all need a paycheck. I truly understand that. I have had some very scary times uh, where I wasn't sure how I was going to pay my bills other than my rent, you know, at a given month. And there still has to be something, though, that's propelling you in that interview or in that discussion that's showing at the end of the day, if you were to be hit with something very hard, you know, from that company in any sort of capacity, how are you going to deal with it? Is that positivity and optimism going to shine through? Are you going to find the silver lining? And those are truly things that interviewers really look to pick up on and being really excited can truly help show how you would be in the environment even once some of the initial magic wears off for the company. That's a great point. I've been, you and I have both been in a recruiting coordinator role. I don't think I've ever sat in a debrief and had somebody go, you know, that candidate was just way too excited about working here. Like that, is no, that has never happened, but it's completely different than like dating, right? Because in dating, like you can definitely be over anxious and a little bit too excited, but that really doesn't apply in the job search. I know. And people often equate going on a date to a job interview. So I understand how sometimes that gets a bit muddled, but it's so true. You know, I have talked to hiring managers after they go, whoa, that person was really excited or really enthusiastic but we're going to hire them. You know, it's never been like, they're too totally. enthusiastic. I don't want to hire them. All right. So two myths we're going to dispel right now. In a job search, in dating, you can absolutely be too excited and show too much excitement early on. That doesn't apply <laughs> in a job search. The other place where I think it doesn't apply is research. In dating, if you're doing a ton of research about the person that you're about to go on a first date with, that could get a little creepy. Like everybody does it. <laughs> But it's like not something you show. It's not something you admit. But in a job search, the opposite holds true. Like if you've listened to the last earnings call and you're going, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so was talking about on the last earnings call, this initiative to do X, Y, and Z, like that doesn't show 
you know, a creepy level of research, if anything, like that, those are the things that really stand out. Yeah, it's so funny you bring that up because my boyfriend and I have been dating for over a year. And just the other week, he just told me that he had been looking me up on LinkedIn and tried to find me like on Facebook before our first date. And I had no idea. And I was like, wow, you know, I love you. That's a little crazy. I'm glad I didn't know that (laughs) until recently. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's the other thing, too, if a company has so much public material out there. It's yours for the taking. It's public. It's been vetted every way possible, you know, over and under. Go look for it. And it's typically, even with us, sometimes it can be almost too overwhelming. You can really go down a rabbit hole with how much information there is. So the other piece I would say is think about the role and what relates to the role. Because some of the other feedback I've gotten is someone's excited and that's great, but they're also then rambling on about, like, let's say for my my program, you know, we're looking for service technicians that are going to work on customer cars. Someone comes in, they don't say anything about the cars or the products on the road, and they only talk about solar. And that's important. That's a huge piece of the business. However, the role we are looking for has absolutely nothing to do with that. So I would just also be mindful of what research you are pulling in when you are having those discussions in an interview. I think that's a really great point. And I think the best questions that you can ask in an interview are ones that make it clear that you've looked for the answer to that question before. I know one of the things that I saw candidates do is they would literally ask questions. It's like, well, the answer is on the career webpage, like at the top of the career webpage, or there's like a person, there's a video of a person literally talking about that for three minutes uh, on the page. But if if you're pulling a question, you're laughing. Uh, You've seen that too, right? Um, yeah, it, 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 like with a mission statement, you know, uh, that's literally at the top of our page. And sometimes people, unfortunately, don't know it. And I know sometimes some of my hiring managers like, oh, okay, it's fine. I'm talking about teams being nervous. Other ones that actually it's a it's an issue. It's a red flag for them because it's so in your face if you go on the website. And you can easily turn that around into, hey, I know Tesla's mission statement is this. How have you seen that come to life in this department? And mm-hmm. I, think, I think those are questions that allow people to be able to then tell really great stories, but also make it abundantly clear that you've done your homework and you're excited. Tell me about a common myth about getting an incredible job at a company like Tesla. So it was always my goal to break into tech. I didn't know who, how, or why, or where. But I knew I had to get back up to San Francisco from LA to do it. LA was just starting to become that Silicon Beach and it wasn't quite there. So I knew I had to get into, you know, the belly of the proverbial beast and go work in the Bay Area, figure it out. And so proximity was super helpful. I will say that. Um, But then one, you know, one of the things that for me, I found working at Tesla was a lot of times I think people hear a company and they just associate a certain role with that company. And one of the things, you know, I've alluded to and we've talked about is I don't support engineering recruiting, you know, that's an, or manufacturing. I support a piece of the business that is still extremely vital to the company's ultimate success and sustainability because the product exists. It's out on the road, the customer's driving it. And now who are they going to go to if they need scheduled or unscheduled maintenance on their Tesla? Because one of the biggest barriers to entry to buying a Tesla is this uh, location where we call them service centers. They're not, we don't call them dealerships because they're not franchised, but I digress. Um, if no, if there's not one by your house, whether it's 
Honda, Tesla, BMW, you might not buy that car because it's not accessible to you. So for us, that's actually the world I started in. I was a recruiting coordinator for field service, um, which is a team that now is under a larger team. So even at Tesla, the other thing is that so much changes over months or, you know, years at a time once you've been there for a little bit. But that being said, I support a piece of the business that I see a lot of people not talking about when they talk about Tesla and that ties directly into the skilled trades and how important it is to find individuals that know how to work with their hands. And they like taking things apart, putting them back together, seeing how they work. You know, they grew up working on cars as a kid with their dad, or they worked on tractors because they grew up on a farm, whatever it might be. Maybe they got the experience in the military. Maybe they finally realized this passion and were able to harness it by getting an automotive degree at a local community college. Those are the individuals we're actually looking for um, in the, the technician training program I support called the Tesla Start Program. And that's an incredible way to get your foot in the door because you're brought in as an intern for three months. And then we guarantee you the placement interview as long as your performance has been strong. And then at that point, we're looking to place you somewhere in the U.S., give you a full-time role, up your hourly rate. You have health benefits as an intern. They continue once you're full-time. You get an equity award. And then if you're moving, we'll actually even give you relocation assistance. So this is a really incredible piece of the business that my team has had the opportunity to build and scale and support that actually has nothing to do with engineering, but these individuals could eventually go that route, especially if maybe they have an associates in engineering and they eventually want to get their bachelor's. They might have even the bachelor's. I've had master's candidates that do this program. So it's really a, a widely varied demographic of individual that ultimately likes working with customers, loves working on cars. And then once you know the product, you can really go anywhere internally in the company. Yeah. And what an incredible way of being able to get on a path if you haven't done the quote unquote traditional prerequisites for that path, right? Like we heard that for you in terms of how, you, how you've taken small pivots throughout your career. But yeah, I think this is a really great point of, you know, you have this misconception at times of in order to work in tech, you have to go to a coding boot camp or, you know, get a software engineering bachelor's degree. Um, and there's a lot of different paths. And I think the other piece too, now that you're talking about this portion of the business is, you know, there's, there's finance roles at every company, HR roles at every company. And so there are some of those other functions as well that you don't necessarily instantly think of when you think tech. Yes, almost to the extent where it's overwhelming, where people ask, what, what, what jobs do you have at Tesla? Maybe it's just an icebreaker. Maybe people truly don't know the extent of the opportunities. Um, it, it almost is hard to just say, oh, here's what we have, because there is so much, and it really will be dependent on your background and ultimately what you're looking to do to then figure out what steps you might need to take in order to, to apply and have your resume flagged by the right team, uh, you know, get your foot in the door, whether it's entry level or through an internship. And then once it's on your resume and once you're with the company, you, you know, it's really the onus is on you then to decide how far that goes. But I mean, to your point, the, one of the things Elon has always come out and publicly said was that a lot of our roles don't require even past a high school diploma initially to get in because he would rather see what you're going to do day in, day out versus stonewalling you halfway through your trajectory because you're missing a certain degree. 
And that was something that really stuck with me because of where I grew up and all the pressure around continuing your higher education, getting degrees because you can't get to a certain place otherwise. And Elon doesn't feel that way. Tesla it, as a wider company has so many opportunities that truly do not require those, those degrees. And as a result, you can come in and you can make something of yourself. And I think that almost resonates a bit with, you know, the American dream and why people even came to the U S initially was to make something of themselves. So I, I find that, you know, really heartening and really inspiring. And it always makes me so proud to be a part of that. Mm. What advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get into tech? There will have to be some sort of contact or referral and probably you'll have to be okay with coming in at a level that you might have thought you were above. So what I mean by that is I was an operations manager that came in as a recruiting coordinator. Um, technically on paper, I probably looked overqualified, but the way tech moves, Tesla is, you know, the epitome of this, but so many other companies are the same. The way tech moves is so fast. They need individuals that are going to be able to hit the ground running, which means it might be privy of that company to bring you in at a level you didn't know would be requirements of a job that actually match your background. And the title wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And that's very confusing in itself because so many tech companies have titles where you go, I don't even understand what this is. How do I know if this is a job for me? Because I don't know what this title means. So that's, that's in itself a whole piece of research that can be really complicated. And that's where the referral piece comes in because at least someone in the company or someone that knows someone in the company can at least guide you in the right direction with what that title and what that role really means. And then seeing oftentimes if you come in, even if it's entry level, you can often progress quickly because you're in a high potential position and you have a longer runway. It's not a negative thing to come in with the title that maybe you didn't anticipate yourself having. That makes so much sense. I had a conversation with a friend recently who's a director at a very large company and was considering a VP role at a much smaller company. And even though it was it could be easy to perceive that on paper as a promotion in the true reality of how the roles are leveled in the different organizations, it would actually end up being a step back just because the VP role was at a smaller company. But these are the types of things that you don't really understand until you, you to your point, build a relationship and start asking the questions. Yeah, and I recognize how hard that can be if you're even looking just to start somewhere. You know, maybe you're not local to the area. Maybe you don't know anyone that works with the companies. Hey there, it's Vincent. Real quick before we continue with this episode of How I Got Here. How would you like to win a personal LinkedIn profile assessment personally completed by me to help with your job search? I know I'd love to be able to help you out. And I know that I would have loved to have had somebody look over my LinkedIn profile and show me how to make it irresistible to recruiters and hiring managers back when I was looking for a more fulfilling career. So let's make it happen. Here's how. All you have to do is rate my How I Got Here podcast on Apple Podcasts and share it in just a few easy steps. Start by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. Then leave a rating. Five stars would be even better. Next, take a screenshot of your review and share it on LinkedIn or Instagram using the hashtag Vitenpodcast. 
Each week, I'll select one random winner from the submissions to receive our 99 Job Search Templates Kit. This includes a job search organizer, email templates, LinkedIn templates, resume templates, cover letter templates, thank you notes, and even salary negotiation templates. Then, monthly, we'll select a random winner for a personal LinkedIn profile analysis completed by me. So again, write a review, rate the show, take a screenshot, and share it on Instagram or LinkedIn with the hashtag Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to leave me a review. It means the world to me. And this week's winner is Jessica Says, who wrote in her review, love hearing about the journey involved in how people arrived at where they are. Cannot wait to hear more. Thanks so much, Jessica, for the review. Just shoot us an email at hello at viton.com and we will send you your 99 job search templates kit. All right, talk soon. And now back to this episode of How I Got Here. But whether it's a blind, cold reach out on LinkedIn, maybe it's a family friend that knows someone who knows someone who's willing to get a a virtual cup of coffee with you these days, um, it never hurts to reach out. The worst thing that happens is someone says no, or you don't hear back from them, but you don't know until you try. Um, I would do it in a way that's thoughtful, though. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be copy and pasting in mass. Hi, help me. I need a job. But it, there is a way where I have seen certain individuals reach out in, you know, a very thoughtful manner, whether it's, hey, I was looking at your background. I came from healthcare. How did you navigate this? Do you have five minutes to chat? Something like that. You know, that always really stuck with me. Or, hey, I worked for Equinox and I'm looking to make a change. I, I don't think we crossed paths, but would you be open to chatting? You know, just finding some sort of commonality there is going to resonate a lot more than just the help me, I need a job path. I love that. So you're, you know, you're in a position where I'm sure you get many cold messages on LinkedIn. And so it sounds like the elements there are definitely when you send a LinkedIn connection, you can hit the blue connect button or you can hit the white add note button. So you always want to hit the white add note button. And then the messages that you just said there could be as simple as, hey, Sarah, I saw that you made this transition from this role to this other role. I'm looking to make a similar transition. I would love to hear about that. Um, And the other one that I actually love is talking about similar experiences. If you're going out and you're targeting people, go find the other people that went to UC Santa Barbara. And, you know, there are thousands of people who have graduated over the course of the past you know, decades, but I know for me, anybody who has um, a shared employer or a shared school that we went to, I nearly almost always end up connecting with them and having a conversation. Yes, absolutely. The alumni network is nothing to balk at. That is a serious force of nature that should be utilized because if anyone in any capacity reaches out to me that they're from UCSB, you know, immediately I am like, yes. I want to talk to you, my fellow gaucho, how can I help? And I, I know pretty much everyone feels that way about their alma mater that I know. I, everyone's really proud of where they went and the degree they got. And they also want to help the, the future classes that are graduating, especially right now. And the other piece that's important is that commonality piece, because if I get a lot of you know, messages, well intended, absolutely, but it's please review my profile, or I would like to be an engineer, what do I do? Do you have 15 minutes? He took one look at my background. I, I've never been an engineer. You know, I, ha- I work for Tesla, but I have no idea. So it's hard 
to, for me to have that resonate because it's not an area of the business I support. I don't have the background. Um, and, and, and while, like I said, well-intended, I don't really have anything I can bring to the table for you other than the, the name of the company I work for. So I'm actually not going to be very helpful for you to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say that's the other piece is I, I genuinely, I read every message I get, but there are a lot where I go, I, I don't know how I could help this individual because I don't have the background and I don't really know what that piece of the business does day in and day out. And something that really stands out to me too, as you talk about the examples of what somebody should do versus those examples where you're looking at that and reading it and just saying, I'm just not sure what to do is um, the former were about you and asking you to share something about you. The latter was about the person who was reaching out. And so, yeah, that's an interesting point. And so there's a big difference there you know, it's kind of funny is I've never met anybody who doesn't like to talk about themselves. And I'm not saying that you're vain, but it's just like human nature that like if somebody asks you about your journey, that's a lot easier to talk about than in the examples where you're describing where the ask might be a little bit vague, where it's like, yeah, you want to help them. But it's also either a big time commitment in a sea of messages, or you're just not quite sure what the actionable step is that you can take that can actually um, end up helping that person the best if you don't have something in common with that person do you have any guidance for somebody sending that message I think just being honest and saying you know I saw I reviewed your profile I see your background and I really like to know you know again tying it back more about you and your journey and not really making it about please review my portfolio. Please review my profile. I'm looking for a job. I want to work here. It's my dream company. And I I can look at someone's profile and background all day, but if it's not for a piece of the business I support, I have no idea how many openings there are. If there are many openings, what the requirements are, you know, there are very nuanced pieces of, of hiring technical roles that I truly cannot speak to, not because I don't want to, but because I don't have the knowledge. And so I think understanding that you need to find some mutual ground, whether it's literally just asking what motivated me to go to Tesla and they'd love to hear more about that experience. And then at that point, absolutely, if we're on the phone, make the shameless ask, you know, hey, I like to apply for this job. And you have, you have me on the hook already. That's okay. I made the commitment to have my time to talk to you. But it's a harder ask if it's just cold in a message and there's nothing in common. Yeah, I know I've been, I've been at larger companies where, I mean, the recruiting teams have been, in some instances, huge, where I legitimately mm-hmm. don't know who has that rec. And, or, you know, recruiters have switched functions where they're one week they were supporting one function, another week they're supporting another. And so size of company matters a ton there. If you're reaching out to somebody where the company has 50 employees, that's a completely different ball game than reaching out to an employer that has dozens of thousands or hundreds of thousands uh, of employees. Yeah, I think one of the misconceptions can be, oh, you're a recruiter, so you just look at applicants and it's almost like a Harry Potter sorting hat, right? Like this person is a mechanical engineer. This one's going to work at the design studio. This is going to be a salesperson. And unfortunately, while that would be a very talented recruiter, that's not quite how it works. But I get it because that's what I used to think too before I truly was in the recruiting role and understanding the ins and outs of how it actually works. 
And a lot of recruiters are pretty clear about this and they're about me where they'll say, I recruit for enterprise sales roles or I do recruit for mm -hmm. uh, technical roles. And so part of that, you know, if you're, if you take the time to do the homework, you can definitely find. Um, what in the world makes you curious about right now? What are you spending your time learning more about? To be honest, I'm doing a lot of reading on the current events that are taking place right now that are extremely difficult to ignore. I personally started that journey, you know, better late than never, but I started it right around the election. So about four years ago, and it's come to a head very recently with, you know, the killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and you know, so many others, so many names. And finally, I think a combination of us being inside for so long and having some of these instances come to light so publicly and so graphically, you're getting enough people that are saying enough. And for me, it's very important to, to be reading and listening and amplifying those voices as much as I can uh, and, and really being able to, you know, be in solidarity and do my part. And that luckily is a huge piece of my job too, is making sure that we are being diverse and being inclusive and we're listening and we're learning. And I feel really fortunate that I have that ability where I can actually action uh, how I'm feeling, you know, in my job. And I know a lot of people don't have that luxury so, you know, in my spare time, though, regardless of what my day looks like, I'm still taking a lot of time to read because I love reading and you can never learn too much. There's just no such thing. Yeah, I think right now, more than anything, I'm in a similar spot as you where I'm just trying to step back and understand, not even comment or take even specific stances, but just to understand different perspectives and I think right now, with the polarization of everything that's happening around us, there are very smart people in, that have very different perspectives about everything in the world right now. And I think everybody taking a moment just to understand how other people feel and how your actions might make other people feel um, if everybody does that it'll help all of us be able to just create a better world that we're living in. Um, you know, as you go, have gone through your career, are there resources along the way that have helped you that somebody should absolutely take a look at? I've actually been really fortunate in my most recent role. And I, when I look back, I actually can pinpoint a couple of really critical people that were mentors. And so it's not something where I can tell you, hey, go learn this Excel class or, you know, go, go take these master classes. And that's really what's going to get to the next level. For me, it was finding individuals, whether it was through someone I knew that maybe I just came across them somehow, or, you know, that I worked with them, maybe they're my manager, that I felt they were able to take me under their wing and really show me not just how to walk the walk, but talk the talk and become a master in my craft. And I feel so fortunate for that. And I think a lot of those opportunities are still out there in many different ways based on what someone might be doing or where they are, who they're working for. Um, so I would, I would say I would encourage everyone to, to try and figure out how that plays into their journey and their path. 
currently my my manager right now is is incredible and the reason i am in the position i'm in and will continue to grow is because of him and i feel so fortunate that i was able to to have that experience and i mentioned previously my first manager at equinox you know we're still really good friends we're actually very close in age and he was someone that always fought for me when it was time for promotion or it was time for movement or transfer those people are powerful and they're not always the easiest to come by, but they are so worth it. So whatever it might be in whatever capacity that makes sense, that would be the biggest resource that I would look for. Yeah. And I've seen that on both sides with my promotions throughout my career, as well as the times where I've advocated for others that having that advocate in the room where the decisions are going to be made, it's much better even to have an advocate advocating for you than for you to go out and advocate uh, for yourself. You know, how do you go about, or how, how did those relationships form where you asked for that help? I think a lot of it is someone recognizing you have high potential. So maybe it's not something you're, outwardly doing, but it's how day in, day in your attitude looks or how you do your work. And I do believe that people come into your life for a certain reason at a certain time, whether you seek them out or whether it's just the right opportunity and they happen to be right there. Um, but it's, it's a lot of times been for me, someone that studied my work. And then when I finally have come to them saying, Hey, if I, can I just pick your brain? You know, how did you get into your role? Is there anything you're seeing I could do differently? You know, looking for that feedback, looking for that sort of constructive criticism or areas of opportunity and opening that door to then let that grow. And for me, that's how it's, it's worked best. And then at one point, I actually was legitimately paying a life coach. It was someone that I, I knew through someone in Equinox. And I, I would not really have a good compass on what I'm doing on a daily basis if it weren't for my time spent working with him. Um, I was, like I mentioned previously, at one point I was so burnt out at Equinox. I couldn't even really figure out what I liked anymore or what inspired me. I was just, my brain couldn't even process ideas like that. So I would say if anyone gets to that point, please reevaluate where you are because that's not healthy. It's not good for anyone or anyone around you or yourself. But that being said, you know, finding someone that can also help maybe motivate you out of that, pull yourself out of that, um, or at least get you on a path where you are finding the way out that's what this individual did for me. And we actually spent a lot of time figuring out what is my life purpose? And it was to connect, strategize, and lead accomplishment for high potential learners. He made me memorize it and then said, anytime you apply to any job or when you're in any role, think about, is this my life purpose? Am I following my life purpose? And if you are, and you'll know in your gut if you are, then you're on the right path. If you're not, and you'll probably know in your gut if you're not, what are you going to do to change it? What steps are you going to take to, to right the ship? And I think that's an incredible place to end this episode and, you know, coming full circle. If you're listening to this and you feel like that right now, you know, quoting Sarah from earlier in the episode, not taking any action is actually a decision in itself. Sarah, thanks so much for joining this episode. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Absolutely. LinkedIn is a great platform for me. I'm an, I'm an open networker, so I'll pretty much take any connection. Um, so I, I think that's probably the best way to go about talking more and, you know, making those contacts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining us on this episode today. 
Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. If this podcast was helpful to you, the best thing that you can do to support is please consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us help more people just like you move towards the life that they desire. Visit our podcast on Apple Podcasts, then scroll to the bottom, tap the rate with five stars, and just leave a sentence or two about what you loved most about this episode. You can subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, or you can write at hello at viten.com. I'm Vincent Fanvan, and you've been listening to How I Got Here.